Well, good morning, Awakening Church. It's great, great to see you. You know, the psalmist said in Psalm 122, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. That is still true this morning, even though you are watching by live stream from your home or wherever you're at, uh, because we've said oftentimes that we no longer go to the temple, but because Christ dwells within us, we take the temple with us when we go to a corporate gathering for worship. So I'm glad that we're able to go into the house of the Lord and your home, uh, wherever you may be, is truly a place where the presence of the Lord is. And uh, we're grateful to be able to worship today and to be able to just center our thoughts again on the purposes of God, especially during this time of the coronavirus journey uh, that we're all part of. My name is Carrie, and as lead pastor of the church, I want to uh, say welcome. Thank you if you're joining us for the first time uh, via live stream or watching this uh, after the fact on video. Uh, we're glad that you're a part of our community today. And if you don't have a home church, we'd love to be able to support you and connect with you in whatever way possible. And uh, you can go to our website, which is theawakening.church, and from there find out more information, uh, even communicate with us if you would like to through that means. But we want to be here for you as a church. Uh, I'm very mindful that there's a lot of things going on in a lot of people's lives. And so please do not hesitate to be in touch. Uh, many of you are part of life groups that are supporting one another and encouraging one another uh, during this time. But we don't want you to feel like you're left alone, you're out there and not connected. So uh, please stay in touch. Now, I want to just highlight a couple things for you. You know, we're going to continue to be doing uh, this live stream, and uh, we've also been doing a um, Zoom devotional time on Wednesdays at 1 o'clock that you can be a part of and go to our Facebook site and, and see how to link into that on a Wednesday. Uh, if you're a part of your life group, continue to meet um, via uh, virtual means, and uh, we'll continue to support one another and be championed in God's Word uh, from those standpoints. But uh, many times uh, during this journey, uh, there's been a lot of, uh, I don't know, head scratching as to what we can do. How can we be engaged more, continue to be the community of Christ, even though we're not gathering uh, on an every uh, seven day basis in a public facility? And uh, so we have been continuing to try to press into that. We've tried to get around and have some touch with people. But uh, I would like to highlight for you something that we're going to be doing two weeks from today. Two weeks from today is May 31st. It's Pentecost Sunday, and uh, I know some churches are pressing into trying to actually have some public gatherings on that day, but we're going to be doing something different. We're going to have live stream at 12 o'clock, I mean, at 10 o'clock on um, May 31st. And then at 12 o'clock, we're going to invite you, if you're interested, uh, and that includes if you're 16 and up, to come and be a part of a serve day, a, an event day that we're going to be uh, hosting as a body of people to be able to do God's work. And so I want to encourage you uh, to be able to uh, do that. I have a slide here, and um, it is going to be the reminder for you that we are um, going to meet here at 12, and we have a couple things that we're going to do. If there's more that come, we might get a couple uh, more things that we can do. The first is that we want to clean the facility and disinfect it in anticipation of when we can get back into a public gathering. 
And uh, so some of you can be a part of that. And uh, I suppose even maybe for little younger kids, you might be able to come for that. But uh, you would have to let us know on that. And then we are also going to take a group of people who are interested up the 215 interstate, which is right outside our church here, to a sister alliance church that we're a part of. It's one of the larger churches in the Southern California area called The Grove. And they uh, have it all set up uh, for us to be able to make one-time use gowns for hospitals in the Riverside area, in the Riverside County. And uh, these one-time use gowns are basically cutting plastic and, and pressing and putting it together as personal protective equipment. And uh, many of the hospitals and even nursing homes, other kinds of places that are um, needing the one-time thing and they can discard, uh, they're very excited about having these. And so we're going to be putting those together on May 31st. So come, meet at the church at 12. We'll head out of here by 1230, head up the road, and we'll be spending three hours there. And you'll be back here by 430 on May 31st. If you're interested in being part of the Serve Event Day, whether with making the one-time use gowns or helping disinfect and clean the church, then please email what you see here, serve at theawakening.church. And we will be back in touch with you, give you more information and let you know what's up with that. So I want to give you that heads up. That's what's happening for us in 31st as we continue to move forward with things. And uh, if you're interested in giving to today's offering, it's real simple by electronic means. We're sort of learning this and getting it down. Just text the word AWAKENING to the number 77977. And uh, we will, uh, there's an app there that helps you give in an easy and secure kind of way to continue to support God's work that's going on. And I just want to encourage this as it relates to the giving. Uh, last month, we actually met and we're a little bit above our giving for um, the month of April. And so that's just so cool to see how the community of Christ at the Awakening stayed engaged, even in the areas of offering and supporting the church. So with that, before we step into God's word and what he has for us today, I'd like us to pray. Will you join with me? Lord Jesus, we thank you that today we're able to come to you in your sanctuary, in your temple, because wherever you are, um, that's where the temple is. And Lord, we know as Christian believers, you dwell within us. And so we're so grateful to draw near to your presence and to be able to learn from you. We ask God that you would uh, just take your word today and your truth that you want to speak to our hearts and set it apart for each and every person, wherever they're at and what's ever going on. So Lord, we know that you have plans and purposes for these particular unique days. And we want those in our own personal life, for our family, and for us as a church as we seek to serve you in all things. In your name we pray, God. Amen and amen. Well, we begin uh, some thoughts today on what's referenced as the new normal. And uh, we're going to be mentioning that, what that means in a second. But uh, it's interesting with the coronavirus journey as we extend days out and we're now into our third month of uh, some of the social distancing and some of the sheltering in place kind of encouragement. And it's interesting because of what it's doing to us as human beings. In fact, I came across an article this week that uh, referenced a survey that had been done and it was talking about the corona days, the corona days. It said this, if you've been feeling like all the days together are blurring together lately, then you're definitely not alone. 
As millions of Americans continue to spend 24 hours a day at home during the coronavirus pandemic, it's become worryingly common for people to forget what day it is, according to this survey that was recently done. And in this survey, they said the average person can't seem to recall which day it is five times per week. Now, I'm glad that this morning you remembered it was Sunday morning and you're able to get on live and be able to join us, right? But it also says that 80% said that each day is just like the one before it at this point. And humorously, 59% of respondents didn't even know what day it was when they filled out the survey. Clearly, all this monotony isn't exactly healthy, both mentally and physically. A significant portion of participants, 65%, said that they're struggling to stay motivated during the lockdown period. Nearly 75% have given up on real clothes and spend all day in sweats. So look around you. Are you a part of that statistic this morning? Probably so. Sweats or maybe pajamas. Many respondents are also having a hard time getting in the right headspace for work. Many constantly feel unprepared for professional Zoom calls, and 69% just can't focus on work tasks while at home. Meanwhile, a full 50% are doing their best to keep up with the exercise routine, and others are trying to stick to a schedule to help maintain a sense of normalcy. Others... Uh, ways Americans are staying positive these days are using snacks as a motivator, keeping to a to-do list, asking a friend or partner to hold them accountable, giving oneself small rewards for finishing tasks, and dressing for work like everything is just normal. So it seems that the big benefactors helping many Americans these days is the promise of nice snacks and a job well done. So I don't know about you, but maybe uh, that would be a good investment. And people are asking for healthier snacks because they're also concerned about uh, physical issues that are going on in their life. It's interesting when you read through a survey like this because um, we're all in this together and we're having a common life experience. But that common life experience is not very enjoyable at times. And for most of us, I'd imagine all of us, we're really growing weary. When are things going to get back to normal? Well, I want to talk to you today about the new normal. Because the new normal is what's being thrown around, that things may never go back to the way they were before. It's not only true with us trying to grab a hold of what a new normal may be for our life personally or for the church, but for businesses, for restaurants, for schools, for colleges, even for the government. What about transportation? With what's happened to us in these last two, now three months, will it permanently alter the way we go about doing things. I know for me the other day, I saw someone I hadn't seen for a while and they walked up to me and they stuck their hand out to shake my hand. I would never, ever hesitate to shake, especially the hand of this person. But I had the thought go through my head, should I shake his hand or am I going to contact something from it? You see, we've been culturally conditioned in these last number of weeks and quite quickly to be protective. And there's Great need for that. Wisdom in self-distancing, wisdom in stay-at-home kind of uh, aspects of things, if not needed, is very understandable. But there's something inside of us that's changing 
that causes me to wonder, will we go back to the way we, be, we were before? Because that's what a new normal references. A new normal is saying that we will never go, things may never go back to the way that they were before. It's a new normal. Well, as it relates to church ministry, we've been uh, wrestling with this uh, a lot. And last couple weeks in particular, we've been asking ourselves as leaders and interacting even with other people that are part of the church, uh, what do you think we should do or how does the future look? Well, I want you to know that things have changed and they will change going forward. In fact, I think one of the beautiful things that's changed is that I'm able to come to you uh, by live stream and do so simply and, and with some decent quality. We are going to continue to live stream our Sunday morning uh, worship gatherings, no matter what, as we move forward. And one of the reasons is because I know people uh, are at different places uh, related to what they think needs to be happening with us getting out and about and the culture and society getting back to the way it was before, if that's possible. Um, and I am wanting us to be very sensitive to one another because each of us are at different places and there are different approaches to things. Even in my own household, there's a difference with my wife who has an autoimmune disease and for myself who, I don't know, maybe I just don't think enough through things like I should. But I don't want us ever to be in some type of divisive spirit. You know, God is at work, but behind all this, Satan can be at work too. And he is always at work to divide people. And so we've tried to think through how do we move forward? There are government guidelines and phases that have been placed into order. There is also frustration with some liberties that have been withheld. There is a lot of things that can be talked about concerning what we're now referencing as re-entry into Sunday morning. We're not going to call it reopening because the church has stayed open. We didn't close the doors. We're ministering live. We're on Zoom. We're interacting through phone calls, maybe giving some personal touch here or there in person as possible. So we're not reopening. That's not the debate. But when are we going to re-enter into a public environment of worship? And so we've been taking that up as leaders and we've been pressing forward into some things. And, and my desire would be to see us be able to do that sometime in the first part of June. There's June 7th, there's June 14th, I suppose it could be June 21st. We're not putting any date to this. And you know why is because this thing changes from week to week. In fact, I understood this week that uh, the three big uh, casinos have decided to press open doors with appropriate social distancing and otherwise the 1st of June. I'm thinking, oh my goodness, if the 1st of June is an appropriate time for them, maybe there could be some reconsideration for churches. It's interesting because different states are different ways. And uh, my home state that I come from originally is Indiana, and uh, churches were in phase one in Indiana for them to be reopening. And so they are slowly interacting and coming back and being a part of things. We are weighing that out. We are having another meeting even of leadership this week, uh, together in person, staff and board. And we are hearing from you on this. I want you to just pray because we don't want to be ahead of God. We don't want to be behind God. We don't want to bring any type of uh, unsettledness within our body. And we want to appropriately do what God has called the awakening church to do. So please pray for us. 
I am sharing with you today. We will continue with live stream. I know many said that they won't be coming back even if we were to have public gatherings because of uh, just their need to keep themselves protected. That's totally understandable, totally fine. And we want you to be in a safe place to be able to enjoy God's presence and be a part of the church. That's why live stream is so important for us going forward. But at the same time, we also know that God has something for us to do in this day and age. And we need to be together in one sense, not just for a corporate worship thing, but to be able to serve. And so that's why next week we'll do live stream. Two weeks from today, we're going to do live stream at 10 o'clock. But then at 12 o'clock, if you feel appropriate to come in mask, we'll do social distancing. We'll get the facility started to be cleaned and spruced up and disinfected some. And then a group of people will be going to our sister church to be able uh, to make the protective uh, personal equipment that's needed in this day and age. So please be in prayer about that. God knows, and we're going to walk this thing out. And know this, that it is in my heart to do this as soon as possible. But what I've come to in the last just seven days is to realize the idea of us just getting back for a corporate gathering may not be what some of us are thinking in our minds because of a new normal. You see, you're not going to allow or be able to have preschoolers or young elementary kids do social distancing. So we know that we're going to have to have more like family services. But then would everybody want to have their kids in a service? We have other people who are taking care of people that are 65 and above or that they're compromised, whether with immune or other kinds of physicality, uh, physical issues. And so their physical presence is not going to be something they're going to step into. And those who are more vulnerable are those who are over the 65 age mark, they say. So we know that that group might be hesitant. When we come if we, to do practice social distancing, the six feet apart or whatever, even though the room is empty today and I'm speaking to you via live stream, it's still going to be a little bit of a new normal for us to be seated six feet apart one from another and what's going on. We know that there won't be coffee and donuts. We know that there won't be handing out bulletins, uh, the handshakes, the hugs. That's not going to be part of it. And so some of my thinking in the last few days is, well, the new normal, as it relates to us gathering, is it even really worth it versus being able to come to you in a strong manner like this? I don't know. I think there's high value. The scriptures say that we should not neglect the assembling together of the believers. But at the same time, I know that Jesus didn't pop in to have uh, church and public gatherings. He had gatherings of people. That's true. They weren't having to social distance one with another. But when the church of Jesus Christ began, the once every seven day worship service necessarily wasn't at the forefront order. It was a movement of people who were giving witness to the resurrection of Jesus Christ and what he was doing. In fact, the new normal that I want to talk to you about today is the new normal that Jesus Christ brought. When God of the universe came to be a man, walked among us, ministered, did miracles, proclaimed the gospel of the kingdom of God, he established a new day. And it wasn't only a new day in teaching, it was a new day in lifestyle and practice for religious people. And so I want to share with you the new normal. 
We know that there is a new normal coming for us when we gather for worship, whenever that may be. And hopefully the first part of June, like I said, we don't know exactly when. Just stay tuned. We'll keep you up to date. But we want to be the body of Christ. And whether it's gathering to go do a serve event or being able to be there for one another uh, in other kinds of important ways, even emotionally calling somebody, supporting them, praying for them, the church of Jesus Christ is moving forward. And we've been called into a beautiful opportunity with the coronavirus journey for people to be awakened to God. In fact, over two-thirds of the people from all faith base believe that God is trying to tell us something during this journey. And could it be that what God is trying to tell us is that there is a new normal for the new 2020 and beyond that we need to dial into around the world? A new normal, uh, a refreshed new normal that he brought into this world when he came, but also maybe a new normal for us as a church. I don't think I'll ever see church the same for us because we're going to go to live stream. It's not just, hey, church, we're gathered here, let's worship Jesus, but it's always going to be also acknowledging those who maybe worship from home. And so the church of Jesus Christ is defined by those who are followers of Christ. And our outreach is defined by going out into the highways and the byways of life to compel people to come, not into a church building, but come to the Lord's table to, to partake in fellowship and communion with Him, having their sins forgiven, living for Him, for His purposes in life. And so maybe there's a whole new way of rethinking the normal for us as a church body and as individual Christians. And even if you're watching here this morning and you don't have a belief in God or a faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, God's at work. He's telling us something. Open your eyes. Think of ways to do different. One of the reasons we're having a serve event is because we need to be thinking more outreach oriented, maybe, than just trying to have people for a grand opening, a reopening or re-entry. What's God been saying to you? You've been praying. You've been contemplating some of this Corona days uh, weariness. His voice is speaking. And I want his voice to speak to us briefly as we look at a passage of a couple passages of scripture today. Because when the God of the universe planted his feet on this ground, he brought a new normal. For the Jewish people, their faith was tied to a lot of ritual. Of course, for the secular people of that day, they believed in various gods, no gods at all, just trying to press out a daily um, lifestyle and provisions for their family. Jesus came to inaugurate the kingdom of God. The word kingdom means the reign of God, his reign and rule in our world. And he came first to establish that reign in our lives, for him to come into our life. And when Christ comes into our life, then we don't get to define the kind of Christ that comes into our life. We look at the life of Jesus, and that life is the life that we've now been given and the life that we're called to live out. And so Jesus shows up on the scenes, and Jesus inaugurates what I refer to as a new normal. And the new normal, I want us to go to Matthew 25, uh, Matthew chapter 20, verse 25. And it says this, But Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of this world lord it over their people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. 
This was the normal that Jesus stepped into. The environment and culture that he stepped into. Could that be true today? That prestige, prominence, positions of power, titles in work or titles in our social environments. That's what's important and we press into that. Even in families, we sort of have different kinds of roles or pecking orders. It relates to uh, the ages of kids or maybe other kinds of responsibilities that come abreast. But Jesus, when he stepped into the world 2,000 years ago, he looked at it and he said, that's common. That's the way sinful human nature goes is to try to be a ruler and lord over people and flaunt authority. This wasn't only true of the government of that day with uh, the Romans, but also in the church world, if you will. In the spiritual circles, the chief priests, the priests, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, people had their titles. But Jesus came, meek and lowly. He clothed himself in humanity. He left the throne and came down to the earth to show us a new normal. And that's why it said then in verse 26, Jesus said, but among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave or your bond servant, as we referred to at that time. And then he says this in Matthew 20, 28, for even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. And so for Jesus, this is the new normal. Desire not to be served, but to be a servant. Desire not to be served, but to be a servant. This was radical. They were hoping they would have a Messiah. They thought the Messiah would come in power and strength. And the Messiah would uh, usurp authority over those who flaunted their authority. That was some of their thinking. A new king. A king that would be established in an earthly manner, not in the spiritual manner, and ultimately what we will experience in the eternal realm when Christ comes again as the king of kings and lord of lords. This was radical. In fact, there wasn't only head scratching. There was a lot of backtracking. There were a lot of people going, I don't know about this. Is this, this new normal that he's talking about? I don't know that it's for me. Sometimes I'm even impressed that the disciples hung with Jesus for as long as they did. Now, it says in John 6, 66, that upon hearing some of the hard teachings of Jesus, many turned and followed him no longer. To which Jesus turned and looked at Peter and said, you know, what about, what are you guys going to do? And he said, Lord, where else do we go? You only you have the words of eternal life. So there was this checking of Jesus out and checking the new normal out because they didn't quite know about this. And Jesus said, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life away for others. What kind of king would do that? To give your life away for others. But he began teaching them day in and day out over the course of three years. And then ultimately, coming up to the final week, coming up to the final week of his life here on earth, and what we refer to the Passion Week, but as the death 
and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So let me take you there in the scenario that last week, we've referenced it a few weeks ago as we came through Passion Week, there was the triumphal entry of Jesus on Palm Sunday. But he came not on a great stallion horse. He came on a lowly donkey. And then he entered into the temple courts and he got frustrated with what he saw there and he turned the tables over and he was declaring, my house shall be a a house not of uh, thieves and robbers, but a a house of prayer. Then he had other confrontations. The next day and uh, Wednesday was silent. But Thursday comes and on Thursday we have the recorded story of Jesus gathering His disciples for the Passover meal for what we now reference as the Last Supper. So come with me to John chapter 13. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for Him to leave this world and to go to the Father. Having loved His own who were in the world, He loved them to death, to the end and would ultimately love them to death. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under His power and that He had come from God and was returning to God. I don't know if it's easy for you to uh, try to get your head around. I know it's hard for me that the God of the universe would, would leave His throne in immense heavens And he would come to walk as a human being on a lowly earth. But he knew that his time here was brief. And he knew that the events of that week were going to take him to the cross, the power of the resurrection, and then back to return to God. And so he sort of got one of his team meetings. He gathers his staff, his board or whatever. He says, hey, I need to talk a few things out. I need to reiterate to you what I've brought into this world. I need to talk to you again about the new normal. Now, what's interesting here, and it it highlights Judas, Judas definitely was not getting the new normal because he goes and he ends up betraying Jesus later that night. But I don't know how dialed in the rest of the disciples were either. There's three places in the Gospels where it says the disciples quarreled with one another or got into a heated discussion. Now, I'm grateful that you have those kinds of stories in the Bible because it, it, it doesn't Photoshop it. It just shows you the real thing. This is what it was. Well, this was one of those times where in the well, background, and when they were um, needing to be able to, just a second. This was one of those times where they were needing to be able Um, to get a read on what he was calling them to do, but they were in a heated discussion. Their heated discussion had to do with who was the greatest. All three times that there's a heated discussion among the disciples is who's the greatest. Can you picture this as a backdrop to this whole supper meal, what's going on? You know, there's John saying, well, I, I'm probably the greatest because uh, Jesus referenced me as the disciple whom Jesus loved. And Peter was like, oh, hey, man, I, I walked on water. You know, I was pretty cool. What do you think about that? You guys were all just back there in the boats. And other people are like, yeah, back in the boats, but then you ended up sinking, man. That was no big deal. 
And then Bartholomew speaks up and he says, well, well, what do you think about me? And they look at him at the end of the table probably and go, Bart, I mean, like, you're not even going to be known. Are you going to be known as one of the disciples? They had this kind of discussion going. and It wasn't just a one-time deal. They were interested in jockeying for position because they were part of a culture just like we are that does a one-upmanship who is on the top. Human beings. It's the nature. Goes back to the fall, I guess, where we didn't believe that God was God and that we could be God. So Jesus is in this kind of culture. He's in the quaintness of that Lord's Supper. He knows what's going to be happening with Judas Iscariot. He knows what's going to be happening with him. And so he does something. He does something because in his environment in that moment, there were two things. There were proud hearts, but there were also dirty feet. Dirty feet? Yeah. Because when you were out on the dusty Roman roads, you would get your feet dirty. And it was common practice for people to come and be a part of a, uh, a time of letting their feet be cleaned when they came into someone's home. And so Jesus looked at this. He saw proud hearts and he saw dirty feet. But he said, I, the future is only going to hold on the proud hearts and what happens there. But I can do something about the dirty feet. You see, the dirty feet, it'd be like when somebody comes into your house. When they come into your house, um, you, uh, maybe if they have a light jacket on, they, you say, can I take your jacket? Can I get you something to drink? It's very uh, common practice for us to be hospitable. And so here was Jesus who called this party together, actually paid for it, but then he is wanting to do something for them. But what happens in that day is the dirty feet were washed, not by the person who owned the house or called the party, but they would call forward for the servant, the bond servant to come or the slave to come. And that was almost prestigious for that individual to have that individual to say, wash these dirty feet. And it wasn't only dirt that was on the feet. As you matter all, all the, uh, the animals and the cattle that would be walking on the roads, there was dung and other kinds. Of, it was just sort of nasty. So, hey, hey, you know, let me take your coat. Let me get you a drink, and uh, I'm going to give you a pedicure. No, we can't think of comprehending. That would be, who would ever want to do that? But the dirty feet kind of idea was common in that day. Now, here's what's interesting, because they knew that it would be the slave or the bondservant who would come and wash the feet. But Jesus is going to teach them a very visible lesson concerning this whole new normal of being a servant. And so what does it say that Jesus did? He got up from the mill, took off his outer clothing, which would have been his um, outer garment, because he had outer garments and closer garments inside, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around them. It would be, you've got to comprehend this, and it's hard to comprehend this, It'd be like the Queen of England if she came to your house and she was a part 
but she knelt down and gave you the pedicure or worked with cleaning your feet. But it's even more incredible than that because it's not another human being. This is the God of the universe, the God who left the heaven, who went from the throne to the floor and ultimately going to the cross. Jesus came to serve and to give his life away as a ransom for many. So when he knelt down and washed the disciples' feet as what a servant would do, he was giving them a powerful lesson that they were to do this as well. But it's interesting what happens upon this is old Peter steps forward. And Peter disagrees with Jesus about the new normal. And Peter says, you can't do this. And maybe he senses some of that disgust. Oh my gosh, you're the God, you know, the Messiah. You can't be doing this uh, with us and coming and, and washing our feet. It says this in verse 6. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Now it's interesting because Jesus was going from person to person. And it doesn't stipulate it here, but can you imagine Jesus going to Judas and washing Judas' feet? Serving Judas, knowing that service, that service was going to turn into a betrayal by him in only a few hours. But he comes to Peter and he says, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then, Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. And Jesus answers, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean and you are clean, though not every one of you, referring to Judas, right? For he knew who was going to betray him. And that was why he said not everyone was clean. What a striking moment for a new normal. No longer am I here to be served and to receive, to get all the goodies. I am now giving my life away and I am serving others. And he knelt down with the towel and the basin and he washed each of the disciples' set of feet. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Verily, truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, the new normal, you will be blessed if you do them. So much of the kingdom of God is counterintuitive. The last shall be first. When I am weak, then I am strong. And Jesus says here, if you serve others, you will be blessed. You will be blessed. And so we have this truth. That when you serve God, 
He changes the lives of others. And the first life He changes is yours. Has your life been changed by the one who served and gave His life as a ransom for many? Has your life been changed by Jesus Christ? Have you turned from the the power play structures of our world and oh my goodness, are those going on, huh? And have you turned towards the one who was meek and lowly, but yet the all-powerful creator of the universe and invited him to come into your life? Have you asked him to forgive you of your sins by repenting of your past or your indifference and turning towards the work that Christ did on the cross and inviting him to come into your life? You know, it's interesting with this story that Jesus, well, we know that Jesus forgives, right? But Jesus is also teaching here that he cleanses. He makes the old new. No matter where you're at today, what's going on, however you're falling, Jesus can forgive your sins. He can cleanse you and give you a new life. But you have to choose if you want that Lord and Savior living in you and through you. And if he lives in and through you, he's going to live in a new normal kind of way. You're going to give up your life for other people too. But as you give up your life for other people and you see their lives changed, you're the first life that's going to be changed because Jesus will be changing you into his likeness. With this, I just want to give a few thoughts as it relates to serving other people well in our day. The first is this. Serving well in the new normal redefine your personal identity. Redefine your personal identity. What do I mean by that? Well, you may think, well, uh, this is who I am. This is the job I do. This is my family members. Uh, This is, you know, uh, the background I come from. This is my education. These are my aspirations. We have all different kinds of ways of trying to define our identity. Even as a Christian, we'll define our identity, and rightfully so. We are a child of God if we've committed our life to Christ. We are a disciple of Jesus. That's true. But both a child of God and a disciple of Jesus have in the essence of that identity, the identity of being a servant. And this is critical for us to change this identity because of this truth. Serving is not what I do. It is who I am. Do you see something that needs to be done? Do you entertain the thought, I wonder who I can get to do that? That happens to me a lot, especially as a pastor. But then there's some times where I'm like, no, Carrie, you could recruit some people to help that person move or to be able to clean that aspect of the church. This one's for you. You're on this one. Why, God? Why? Can't I, you know, time? I don't have time to do it. I don't think I can do it very well. Nope, this one's on you. You are a servant, foremost, Carrie. So I have to step out of any other predefined, uh, sometimes even sinful identities that I have that are arrogant and say, no, I'm a servant of Jesus. That's my piece of paper to pick up. That's my toilet to unplug in the house, right? We are to serve. And we're to serve others. Maybe there's somebody that comes to you or you hear about somebody that needs encouragement. And you're like, well, I'm sure they got their own people they can encourage. And you have to say, okay, is that me or not? Or I'm talking? No, no, it's me. Now, not always. 
Sometimes, though, God just impresses says, this one's for you because your identity is to be that of a servant. This past week, me and my uh, four siblings, we had an opportunity come to us to be able to serve another couple in ministry uh, with a situation and opportunity that we could do. And it really weighed heavy on us. And we deliberated together about it. And that kind of thing. It wasn't something we could just sort of set aside. Are we to do this? And we continue in that processing kind of understanding of seeking God in it. But I want you to shift your identity paradigm, and shift it to that of being a servant. The second is take time to listen to true needs. Take time to listen past the rhetoric or maybe what's there first. Maybe it's somebody who's reaching out for a helping hand. Well, maybe you need to give them help. Maybe it's a resource you need to provide for them. But maybe there's something else behind that. Maybe there's brokenness or their lack of needing a new identity in Christ themselves. And so take time to listen to the needs. And it's not like you need to listen to all the needs of the world because it's overwhelming. But in your realm, in your real-time world that you walk out every day, listen. And as you listen, there are going to be needs. And we have to endear our heart to pick up the towel and the basin and wash someone's feet. And that leads to another one. It's this. Care even when it costs you something. And maybe it's not finances. Maybe it's time. Maybe it's your uh, own pride that needs to be set aside. Care even when it costs you something. Serve well in the new normal. And look for that opportune time and know that the opportune time when it comes, there's going to be some true needs there. And there's also going to be some things you're called to. It's like, okay, I'm going to have to set aside the time and help that person. Not because I earn brownie points with God, but because I am a servant. Because Christ dwells within me and he is the new normal. Another thing is to remember, you're not the full solution. Remember the story of the Samaritan? The good Samaritan who stopped because somebody was in the ditch, hurting and needy. And what the good Samaritan did was not everything. The good Samaritan got him to a hotel and he gave some resources to say, take care of him. But the good Samaritan didn't go out of his way to to get rid of the whole divide between Jewish people and Samaritans and the conflict there. He didn't go out of his way to try to stop violent thieves along the dirt road in Samaria. He did his part. And when we serve other people, you don't have to do everything. There may be a small part. Sometimes those of us that uh, are serving in family relationships, you can serve a small part, but then there's sometimes when others need to serve or that person needs to gain strength on their own. And it it, it can also be uh, uh, a means of, of keeping them from developing what God's trying to do in their life if you help them too much. But don't let your mind go there. Oh, that's good for their character. It's building who they're. No, God's calling you to be a servant. Care even when it costs you something. But in the midst of serving that person or that individual, that couple, whoever it may be, you need to remember that you're not always the full solution. And then the third, the last one, the fifth one is allow yourself to be served by others. Because you see, this is a mutuality thing and this servanthood is allowing us to be able to extend a heart of servanthood to others, but let them serve us. We are bringing God's presence here on this earth. We are bringing about a new normal. 
a new normal. Our kids need to see us walk close with the Lord. Our kids also need to see us serve. Yeah, we serve them a lot. But they need to see us serving God. They need to see us serving in church. That's why one of this, these opportunities for two weeks from today when we do the serve event and we're able to go and make these a one-time um, protective gowns for hospital workers in our county, that that's a, a good example of what are you doing, Mom? What are you doing, Dad? Maybe it's your teenage son or daughter or young adult that you hang with. Say, well, come with me. What are you doing? Why well, we're going we're to make gowns. Why? Because they need them. If we get enough people, I, we'll make 200 to 500 gowns two weeks from today. But maybe it's something else. Maybe it's not that. Maybe it's just serving in the small things that are around you, reaching out to a neighbor. Our kids need to see us intimate with God, and they need to see us serving God, and we need to invite them in as servants of God. They need to see you serving in the church. When we light things back up, even I already know with the live stream stuff, we're needing some more tech people because we now have added a whole, not just one component, but two other kinds of components. Children's ministry, we don't know what the new normal is going to be there, some other kinds of guidelines, protections. We need people serving God even in a Sunday morning experience. But our kids need to see that, and then they need to serve because when our kids serve, they gain the heart of Christ. And it becomes not something that they do, but it becomes something who they are. And we all complain about, oh, where's this generation going? What's happening? Well, friends, we model it. We lead it as adults. Let's lead out and have the heart of servanthood. It's the new normal. And God's given us this opportunity with the coronavirus journey to recalculate, to rethink. What is the church? Is the church a gathering of people or is the church a people of God on a movement to be servants of God like Christ is when he came? And so I challenge us in these days to consider doing that. And in it, you will be blessed. You will have the first life that's changed, your own. Allow yourself then to serve in the call of the moment and also allow yourself to be served by others. I want to close by sharing with you somebody that's been a servant in my life, for he was especially when I was early on, though he was seen as a position of a professor and a mentor. I sometimes think about the cross and shut my eyes and try to see the cruel nails, the crown of thorns, and Jesus crucified for me. But even could I see him die, I would but see a little part of that great love which, like a fire, is always burning in his heart. You are valuable to God. You are unique and a composite fashioned in the image of God for a particular purpose. What it means to be human is to be created in the image of God. What it means to find your destiny is to find your creator who has created you and why he has made you for a purpose. So in general terms, the Imago Dei, in particular terms, it's not who you are alone that defines you, but whose you are. That is my prayer. To me, the person of Jesus Christ provides that coherent answer in the incarnation. He identifies my malady, 
provides for my malady, draws me into that relationship, takes me through the process of suffering, shows me the purity of Jesus himself in the way he taught and lived. And ultimately in rising again from the dead, he teaches me that time is merely a temporal thing. We are here for eternity and he alone is able to take us through the cross past the open tomb into the very presence of God. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. There is no other worldview that will give you corresponding and coherent answers to the four questions of life with logic, consistency, empirical adequacy, and experiential relevance. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes unto yeah. the Father He describes your heart. He provides for your malady. He equips you in suffering. He puts meaning into every moment in history. And he conquers death through the resurrection from the grave. Surrender to him. Love him. Follow him. Serve him. Live for him. And take his message wherever you go. Have you ever heard that gentleman preach? His name is Ravi Zacharias. He's one of the most powerful international evangelists and defenders of the faith, answering people's questions. One of the environments there depicted, he spoke at, was on January 1st of this year, 2020. He spoke at the Passion Conference in the Mercedes-Benz Auditorium, or Event Center, in Atlanta, Georgia. 65,000 college kids. Little did Ravi know that, that speaking at that event was one of the last large events that he would probably end up speaking at. For this last week, we got word that Ravi probably does not have many days to live because he has cancer, a sarcoma cancer of his spine. It happened the first part of the coronavirus days. He had had some spinal surgery, and while they did that, they found this tumor and growth. They thought they would get the tumor and growth. He went to Houston to the Anderson MD place. They were able to get the tumor, but it metastasized and it was quickly as a very aggressive cancer that's spreading through his body. And so he chose this last week to return to Atlanta to be with family. The reason that it strikes me so close is because Ravi was a servant to me. You saw him there exhorting at the end of that Passion Conference to, to serve Christ. The president of his ministry that he's developed over these years, RZIM, which has about 300 employees and is literally around the world now. The president of RZIM, Michael Ramsden, said that he met this week with Ravi Zacharias and speaking as a whisper. He sort of summed up what Ravi encouraged them to do and what he would encourage us to do. And that is keep following Christ and keep preaching the gospel. Keep preaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, the new normal that Christ came 
to forgive us our sins, to cleanse our lives, to set us anew, but to live life for him in the manner that he would live and the manner in which he will be experienced by us in the eternal realm. This is a picture of Ravi with his wife, Margie, celebrating their 48th wedding anniversary just a couple weeks ago. We all thought Ravi would be back preaching in the summer. But then when I saw this picture post on Facebook, I thought that's striking. And then a couple days later, we were informed that outside of a miraculous, huge miraculous miracle of God, his days were numbered and he was just coming home to be with family. Doesn't make sense for me a lot. You see, I was a young boy when, a uh, young man, when uh, I got a phone call from Ravi. And Ravi said, hey, I came across your sister in Galveston, Texas. She showed me your picture and said you wanted to be an evangelist, but didn't know what you were doing. He gave me a call. He was teaching at that time at our denomination seminary in New York, the Alliance Theological Seminary. And he invited me to come out and I sat down with him. And he said, Carrie, I want you to take if you're willing, take all three of my classes this next semester, but I need to let you know, and the faculty doesn't even know this yet, but uh, it'll be my last because God's called me to start a ministry. And he was a mentor, a friend. Uh, through many years, I had the opportunity to travel with him to India. He would gave the message at the grand opening at my prior church that we built and Called me when Levi was born, our special needs boy. He called me when I transitioned from that church, which was a hard transition. Last time I saw him uh, was a couple years ago. Last time I talked to him was about three years ago when he was here at Chino Hills speaking at Calvary Chapel there. But I mentioned Ravi because here's a man who served his whole life and gave his life away for others, even picking up a phone to call some unknown kid to say, hey, if you have a heart to be an evangelist, I want to encourage you and mentor you. Who is it that God is calling you to serve? And how are you going to do that? Ravi, as he looks to go with the Lord, they've encouraged people to do hashtag thank you Ravi and send a word of thanks. And some of you saw what I sent this week online if you follow me on Facebook. But today they sent out this quote on their Facebook from Ravi. The story of the gospel is the story of eternal life. My life is unique and will endure eternally in God's presence. I will never be no more. I will never be lost because I will be with the one who saves me. And may I also add, he will be with the one who served him and served him well as Ravi served him well, literally being a globetrotter for decades, sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ in hotbeds around the world, in university settings, answering people's tough questions, questions of destiny, meaning, morality, origin. I want to close in prayer. And I want to pray for you because if you are in Christ, if you're a Christian follower this morning, you will never be no more. You are going to live eternally. I'm going to live eternally. 
And we're going to live eternally in the presence of a great, wonderful God that we worship with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, along with the angels and the cherubim and the seraphim. And we have things that God's going to call us to do. But when we worship this God, we will worship a God who has humility and a servant's heart because that's His very nature. His identity is one of a servant. So counterculture. Such an incredibly new normal, but a beautiful normal. For us, and our world needs it. And when we get to be with the one who not only saved us, but served us, I believe we will wish that in these days, even difficult, crazy, coronavirus days, we will not have taken up the towel and served and worshipped him through our acts of kindness to others. I want to pray that you will hear his voice this week and you will serve. That's our new normal. I don't know when we're getting back into this building for a public gathering of worship. Doesn't matter. The church is open because you are the church. I am the church. Let's be the hands and feet of Jesus. Lord, empower us through your spirit to do your servant work on this earth until you come again. Lord, even as we've watched Ravi here preached, if by your hand do a powerful miracle working in his life to heal him, But Lord, if this is the season to take him to be with you, then may heaven rejoice and may he receive the well done, good and faithful servant on that final day when he's actually in your presence. For our day, Lord, quicken our mind. Help us to listen. Lord, may we get outside of ourselves and do acts of service that cost us something. And it may be a kind act of service to demonstrate the power of your gospel message and ministry, or it may be verbal words of declaring you as the Lord of the heavens and the earth, but a Lord who came to serve and is willing to serve us as we serve you. So Lord, work in our lives. And there's anyone on this live stream today who does not know you. May they bend their knee. May they bow and repent and receive you as their leader and their savior. And Lord, may they come into that beautiful relationship And have the assurance that there will never be a time when they are no more, but they will live eternally with you because of that relationship. Lord, we thank you. In your name we pray. Amen and amen. Thanks for joining us. God bless. Love to see you in two weeks for our serve event. But uh, stay true to one another and what God's calling you to do. Let's be the church in this day and age.